broadcasting from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's time for Kick Set with USA Swimming, bringing you interviews with athletes, coaches, and experts from age group swimming to the national and Olympic teams. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kick Set Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Barbini, National Team Director of Performance at USA Swimming. And I'm joined for our uh, maiden voyage as host of this pod by Olympian and accomplished 10-mile ocean swimmer, Elizabeth Beisel. Beisel, great to see you. How are you today? So great to be here, Barbini. Excited for our first journey together here. We have a we'll very special this, guest to kick it off. With a very special guest. We'll see how this goes on our first one. So bear with us, everybody. Um, coming up on today's episode, we have legendary coach Dave Salo, who's here to talk about the upcoming short course worlds, his career to this point, and uh, to take a few rapid fire questions uh, from you guys that we uh, generated via social, which we'll get to a little later. Um, but before we get to Dave, we want to take a couple minutes to talk about the meet that I just mentioned, Short Course Worlds. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how we selected this team. So I just want to give a look behind the curtain um, at how we view this competition, why we selected from Long Course. Um, and Basel, I'm hoping you'll share your view on this as an athlete as we kind of go through it. Um, we know that on paper, selection procedures are pretty dry, confusing, and uh, they definitely lack color and perspective. Um, so hopefully we can fill in some of those gaps today. Um, First, from a USA Swimming and national team perspective, international competition opportunities are probably the most important competition and swimming related thing that we offer. Um, there are, there's no one way to get to the pinnacle of your career, but the one thing that almost all of our Olympians have in common is a lot of prior international competition experience representing the US. Um, it's critical for almost everybody. And in every quad, there's only four truly global competition opportunities outside of the Olympics, two short course worlds and two long course worlds. So we want to make sure that those opportunities are going to athletes that are currently on track to represent us at the highest level of the sport, which is the Olympics. And, and that leads us to selecting from long course times. Um, of course, we want to be really good at the meet itself. and We want to win as many medals as possible, but priorities 1A and 1B are being awesome at the meet and offering these opportunities to the athletes that are, that are tracking towards representing us at the Olympics. That's what our system is set up to do is for us to be really good at an Olympic games. Um, and our participation at short course worlds is a piece of that. Um, to be fully transparent in recent years, we have considered holding a short course meter trials to select this team. Um, and in the lead up to 2020, we actually had that in our plan. Um, but after getting some feedback from many of our top athletes and coaches, we ended up reversing course on that idea. Um, and they had a number of good reasons. Um, they told us that holding a second all or nothing trials for another competition would not help our performance at the main competition for that year. Um, and that was only exacerbated by the schedule changes um, that the pandemic wrought on us here. Now with, with Worlds being two months earlier, that would be two all or nothing selections in six months, which is a lot. Also, the fall calendar has gotten a lot more crowded um, in the last few years and finishing that crowded part of the season with a trials, then a major international competition would be very difficult and could compromise athletes training, their performance at short course, and then maybe their performance you know, later in the season as well. Um, if we weren't to have a trials, the only way to select this team based on short course times would be to do a paper selection. But the problem for us is the majority of our athletes don't have short course meters times to select from. Um, in recent years, there's obviously, there's been a lot more short course meters swimming with the ISL and FINA World Cups, um, but that 
really only applies mostly to professional athletes, the ISL exclusively to professional athletes. And any selection that completely excludes high school and college athletes is a non-starter for us. Almost 50% of this year's roster is in college. And most of them don't have short course meters times that are recognized by FINA on record, um, nor do they have easy access to a FINA approved short course meet. Um, and of course, FINA does not recognize yard times as qualifying and you have to have a cut to be able to participate in this meet. So um, as far as selection from short course times, we're, we're really hamstrung by the lack of meter, meter times that we have. Um, all that being said, we recognize that the selection method may appear to overlook some great performances and that some short course specialists are at a disadvantage. Um, but it's important to remember that our procedures are not designed to be reactionary to a single great swim or even to a great season. Our system is set up to be objective, uh, meaning that we try not to have as much discretion um, as we can or try to have as little discretion as we can as a part of our process. Um, and it's designed to support the development of the athletes who are tracking towards um, contributing to our top priority, which is Olympic medals. Um, it's also important to note that we're constantly evaluating these procedures and processes, and, and we're always open to feedback and selections and suggestions on how to create better opportunities for athletes. Um, Basil, that's kind of a, a, a long rambling rant there, but do you have anything to add or what's your perspective on this from the, from the athlete side? You've been to a, a short course, so. Yeah, I applaud you for putting that into layman's terms as clearly and concisely <laughs> because it's a lot to digest. And I do think that this year's Short Course Worlds team is exactly what it needs to be. It's young on the athlete side and the coach's side. And we'll get Coach Salo's perspective on that, kind of being the leader of all of those youngsters going over to Abu Dhabi. But, you know, for me, from an athlete perspective, Short Course Worlds is also, you know, not just only an amazing opportunity to be on Team USA, but to maybe swim events at a higher level that you don't normally swim. The one short course worlds that I went to, I swam the 400 free, the 800 free. I was on the four by 200 freestyle relay. And to be honest, it was one of the most fun meets that I've been to because it gave me experience being on a team USA relay and me being a 400 IM or in a turner backstroker, that was just never going to happen long course. So I think it's an amazing opportunity for these young athletes, um, to really gain that experience that you were talking about, Matt. Um, but also, you know, for some of the veterans to teach those young athletes what it's like to be at this level, especially in a quad that isn't a quad this year. It's three years. So we kind of need to get this experience as soon as possible. Um, and so I think it's the perfect team that we're sending to Abu Dhabi. And we have the perfect leader here with us today. And he's going to do a phenomenal job with the athletes, with the coaches, kind of guiding them into this shorter quad as we go to Paris. That's, a, uh, that's an excellent segue into our guests there. Basil, let's, uh, let's introduce Coach Salo, and then I'd like to get his take on kind of what we just discussed there. Um, so Coach Salo has coached at every level of the sport. I had to write this down because some of this is, you know, it's hard to commit to memory, this, this type of resume. Um, from Downey Swim Club to Long Beach State with some stops in between um, to a storied career at USC and has now returned to uh, Irvine Nova Aquatics, where he was previously the head coach for 16 years before taking over the, the program at SC. Um, throughout his career, athletes, have, uh, swung, athletes that have swung for Coach Salo have excelled, and I'm going to steal his terms here, in events from what he calls the, uh, the short sprint all the way up to the ultra-long sprint, which is his term for uh, open water. Um, he's produced numerous Olympians, too many national team athletes to, uh, to read through here. Uh, captured several top five NCAA finishes, published 
multiple editions of his groundbreaking book, Sprint Salo, and he even swam for fellow legend John Urbanchek at Long Beach State. Um, and of course, he's here with us today, in addition to all of that, because he is the head coach, as Basel alluded to, um, for the U.S. team at the upcoming Short Course Worlds. Coach Salo, thank you for being here, and welcome to the podcast. Um, like I said, we'd like to start with, if you have anything to add to sort of what Basel and I's uh, introduction about Short Course there. Well, first off, I want to thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be, be present on this call today. Um, I, I, find, I thought I found Biasel very, very good at alluding the fact we have a lot of young coaches on staff, but she didn't define me as old. <laughs> I got your back, so, Dave. <laughs> I appreciate that. I know it was, it was kind of playing in her head, but she pulled back and, and called me more experienced. But um, I, I'm really excited about the opportunity to be the head coach for the World Championship team. I've been fortunate to be head coach of several teams for the United States. Um, I was fortunate to be the head coach of the men's side in 2018. We had a great experience, great performances out of those kids that, that year. Um, and I think this team is, is like you said, uh, how we come about uh, putting this team together. It's a, it's a strong mix of of veterans. Um, when you look at uh, Melanie Margalis and Abby Weitzel, it, it, it's funny to think of Abby as becoming that veteran now. Same with Michael Andrew. Uh, Michael Andrew is now a veteran at 22. Um, but it harkens back to the days when we look, used to look at uh, Aaron Pearsall, Michael Phelps, very, very young, but very accomplished when they were young and they were the veterans. But the veterans we have on the men's side include uh, Nick Fink, Ryan Held, uh, Will Lycom, who's, who's uh, 27 years old, and and we've got Tom Shields on that on my group. So we've got some really good veteran core. Um, but what's exciting, which is really contrary to what you said earlier, Matt, about experience leading to success internationally, especially especially at the Olympic Games, we have we have Lydia Jacoby, who um, I was I was told about really early on last year uh, by Jessica Hardy, who knew her when she was just an age grouper. And uh, Jessica told me to keep my eye on Lydia. And I just watched her just continue to grow through last year to win the Olympic gold medal in the 100 meter breaststroke. So we've got a broad range of experiences, experiences at the international level. I think it's gonna be an outstanding group. And if we can, if we can follow up with what we did in 2018 uh, with some great performances by a fairly young team, I think we'll, we'll have equal success uh, at the, here in Abu Dhabi. So I'm really looking forward to it. And then uh, 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 Biasel alluded to the fact that we have a pretty young staff and, and the young staff that, that I'll be taking under my wing, I hope, hopefully. Um, really excited about these guys. Uh, Ozzy Cavedo, uh, we've got uh, from, uh, from Alabama. I've got uh, Blair Backman from the University of Virginia. Uh, Bruce Marchiano has been around for a long time. This might be one of his first times to be on a national coaching staff for the Worlds, which I'm excited about. Uh, he's had a great career, and, and, and being there with him will be really, uh, really enjoyable. And we've got Wyatt Collins from the University of Texas, who's been around a long time, but he's still really young, and, and, and uh, uh, maybe the first time he's been on a staff like this. But great staff, a lot of energy. Um, and by, by far, probably one of the most important things is, is the, the USA swimming staff has really done a really good job of getting us into Abu Dhabi in a timely manner so we can get act, acclimated as quickly as we can and then compete. And I think that's what they did in 2018. We did a really good job of putting together the squad, getting us out to China and uh, setting up the, the 
position for us to be really successful. And, and USA Swimming has really taken short course worlds more seriously in the last couple of quads than ever before. Um, I'm really excited about that because I think it's a, it's a valuable competition. Uh, it's a great uh, springboard to international success beyond uh, the Olympics even. And, and it'll be a good taste for some of these kids as they contemplate professional careers in the International Swimming League, which I'm also involved in. <laughs> That's such a good point about the the uh, the seriousness of short course worlds. And the last few years, it's become, I would say, the third most competitive meet behind long course worlds in the Olympics in in international swimming. So it's such a great opportunity for these athletes, especially um, these younger guys. Ha over half the team has been to an Olympics, but of course, that means half the team is not. So. Um, in that context, Coach Salo and, and Basel, I'd like your take on this too. We're in a in a three-year quad now, um, and it's much it's much different than being you know a little less than four years out. How do you think an event like this early in the quad can kind of um, influence an athlete um, moving towards that twenty twenty four season? Well, I'll let Bynes take that first. I think. Oh, thanks, Coach Salo. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, especially for the youngsters, and I feel like that's going to take up a lot of the conversation here today. It's it's so important for them to kind of just get back on the saddle and start getting this experience, especially internationally. Um, a lot of the older swimmers are kind of taking a break and, you know, taking a breather after the five year quad that we just had. You know, it's a lot harder for those veterans to kind of stay on that path um, of hard training. But, you know, I think with it being a three-year quad, there is not much time to take a long break. You kind of have to get right back on the horse and get straight into international swimming because if you rest for too long, it's going to, it's going to come hit you in the face really fast. Um, and so, you know, to see Katie Grimes going, and even Lydia Jacoby with the Olympic experience to be able to say that they're going to these meets and, and Dave, I'm so excited to, you know, have you work with Lydia with your breaststroke experience, you know, Jessica Hardy, Rebecca Sony, Yulia, Carrie Hine, Casey Carlson, like <laughs> Kitajima, the list goes on. Eric Chantel, like you've literally coached the best breaststrokers in the world. So I'm really excited to follow up on this conversation and kind of hear your experiences with L Lydia. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really important that we get as many athletes as we can to as many international meets as we can, whether that's short course worlds or world juniors, what have you. Um, and so I, I don't know, Dave, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I think the dynamics of uh, swimming has changed so, so dramatically over the last probably three or four years when, with the introduction of the international swimming league, uh, there was no time off anymore. As, along as it kind of backed up uh, the world cups that uh, FINA was introducing the last few years. So we've found that our, our athletes who are competing at the highest level are, are kind of engaged in year-round swimming more so than before. As you know, we, we often saw, saw that our world championship performances uh, the year before the Olympic Games was always kind of clouded in mystery. It was always not that good. And, we, and I remember you being part of a world championship team that oh, wasn't that good that year, but then you came back the following year for the Olympics and really springboard into some great performances. So I think what we're seeing is that is that the fact that the kids are, or this group is interesting in that you've got a lot of NC toy swimmers who have to be fast uh, as early as December leading into March. Um, and then we've got early uh, world championships in, in, uh, in I guess, April. And, uh, and so it's that, 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 that normal sequence of taking time off or taking things easy just doesn't happen much anymore. 
Um, my concern in that regard is I think you're cap- I think athletes are capable of doing that without any, any constraint in their performance. Um, I think it's something that all our athletes have to get used to. Um, but I think this will be that, that, that marker for all these kids going, man, if I can be this competitive internationally right now, um, it's going to be great for our world championship, uh, uh, meet coming up this, this spring and, uh, heading into Fukuoka. So, um, I, I think that the one thing I learned back in 2012, I think it was the first time I've been to many Olympic games since 1992. And, um, it's the first time sitting in the stands with USA swimming and not nervous for the first time watching my athletes compete. Cause it, over time you realize we always swim well. And, and that just like, wow, I'm watching Rebecca Sonia. She's getting ready to do the tuna breaststroke final. Just going, we always swim well. What am I nervous about? Whether or not I was coaching Rebecca or not, Americans always swim well. Uh, this is kind of that first step towards this, this, this brief quad, if you will. Uh, for the athletes to step up and compete internationally. Hey, this, this group's going to do great. I, I, it's just, I think they're going to do really, really well. So, um, again, I think it's going to lead towards some great performances and just kind of getting that grind that you, as professional athletes, and they all basically are professionals, even if you're talking NC2 kids, um, you're going to have to learn to compete year in, year out uh, uh, versus taking a year off, basically, is I think what we used to happen. I also love the fact that short course meters is being taken more seriously within the United States because there are so many new opportunities that are presenting themselves for athletes to now capitalize on being a swimmer, like making money, going to ISL, going to World Cups. And kind of back when I was swimming, I went to one World Cup and one short course worlds. But other than that, it was never really on the radar. And so now it like, it kind of made, I'm kind of jealous of everybody because now I want to be swimming again and, you know, having these amazing opportunities to make money and we should be able to do that as athletes. Right. And so I think these athletes at this young age, like the Katie Grimes and all of these kids going to short course worlds will help them in the long run going into ISL or whatever it is. And it's just so cool to see the sport grow in that sense as well. Well, the other thing too, uh, Biles, is that, that now that we see the the, uh, the progressive nature of NC Twitter, where they're allowing mm-hmm. kids to make money off their name, likeness, and image, and that's changing that dy- dynamic dramatically. That, that that these kids, even in NC Tways, needs to have a platform to perform so that they can then uh, kind of accelerate their NIL level of, of support, if you will, or, or a promotion of their their brand. And that provides these kids the opportunity to do that. I think I think the short course world championships, because it is midstream in December, uh, allows kids to be the focal point right up in front. There's not really a lot of championships going on at this point in time. You're not competing against baseball, football, basketball in terms of championship performance. And it's a great opportunity for our, our American athletes to really get their name out there and, and really promote themselves. So branding opportunities for the NCAA kids is really, really uh, going to be crucial in participation with the world championships. Sorry, Basil, you missed that too. <laughs> I know. What the heck? <laughs> That's all right. I, I'm happy to see everybody else. Do well, that. you're a good no, broadcast. So you, you found yourself a great world in broadcasting. You've done a great job. Right. There you go. Thanks, Coach Salo. 
So let's dig in a little bit into, into the, the meat itself. Uh, this is a unique competition. And, um, and one of the ways that it's unique, obviously, is what Faisal alluded to earlier, is all the relays. There are 92 relay spots to fill on this team. Can you guys just talk a little bit about how we manage that or how you plan to manage that, Coach, and then what that experience is like just swimming so much in a six-day format? Well, I think most people don't realize that I just got an email from Matt with the attachments of all the timelines and schedules and relays and who's got multiple events with their swimming and how they're going to pigeonhole these relays. And, and it's one of those things that we have to really have a good sense and feel for what the athletes want to do and to prioritize their individual events over relay events and those kinds of things. So it'll be a kind of a uh, a bit of a, a communications that we've got to have with the athletes to really define uh, what, what they want to do in terms of being eligible for relays. Everybody's eligible for relays. That's the nice thing about the world championships here short course. We didn't select relay only swimmers. Everybody's eligible. We want everybody to be excited about the relays. We're going to rely on uh, Matt to kind of put together the statistics. So we make the, the proper choices and who's going to swim those mixed relays and what order and all those things. But it's a great opportunity. The kids love, I think the kids love relays. It takes that pressure off on them individually. They can step up and, and um, kind of show their, their camaraderie with their team and, and just get excited about it. Uh, we think that the uh, advancement into finals from uh, preliminary is going to be a little bit easier than normal. We've got some international teams not going to uh, participate in this championships. We know that. I don't know who all is not going to do that, but Matt knows that better than I do. But I, I think uh, we'll find that our path to finals will be a little bit easier. And um, But it's, it's, it's just, again, I think Elizabeth says a great thing. It's, it, we had such a great time in 2018. It was relaxed. It was fun. The coaches were so excited to be there and participating. There wasn't a lot of stress involved. And so I think that that's, that's what we want is to kind of create that environment is just go out there and have a blast. You know, there's no pressure on you to perform, uh, but we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to help you perform with the best that you can. But the relays will be really key to, I, I, I would love it if everybody can go home with a medal of some sort. And if you do that through the relays, that'd be a great way to do that. Dave, how does the relay selection process work when when there are no relay only swimmers, are you kind of scanning everybody and how they're feeling? Are they coming up to you? What does that look like at a short course worlds? Well, as I alluded to Matt, Matt's put together the statistics and we've, oh, we've got so many statistics of, of relay performances out of athletes. I've always gone to the books and, and looked at those, uh, however it is performed in relays, how they split on relays to make those kind of calculated decisions um, to, to put our best relays forward and put our best relay order forward. So we're going to take all that information that we have. Uh, we've had some coaches communicate already some performances. Uh, Ron Aitkins sent us a note uh, about last week about Katie Grimes throwing down a pretty good 200 freestyle. And uh, so he's, he's, nice. he's like pushing for it to be considered for the 800 free relay, which uh, she's, she's right up in that mix. And, but again, it's going to be uh, looking how the kids kind of come into the meet uh, what information we have at the very last minute, um, and then communicating with the athletes to see how they feel, if they feel comfortable swimming relays to the extent that it, it uh, it's got to be combined with their, their, their individual performances. We don't want to uh, compromise that. Um, but I, but God, American athletes, when, when, uh, when you get there, you're representing your country, it, it, 
you, you find a, a deep down inside it is this, this, this gung ho that you're going to put up a relay and you're, you're going to swim really, really fast. So um, I, I'm anticipating that, that, that everybody's going to want to be on relays and that makes our job a lot easier and uh, they, they're going to make it work. Uh, so, but unless Matt has some, some really insight into the, the data that we have, uh, that's how we're going to, it's going to be the effort on the part of the coaches to kind of to assemble these relays. What I do with my staff uh, whenever I've been head coach is to assign the assistant coaches a uh, relay responsibility to kind of begin the dialogue on how that relay might look, communicate with the athletes to see their willingness to, to perform. And uh, then we'll have a final conversation with uh, national team director, uh, Lindsay, and uh, finalize what our relay is going to look like. Yeah, that's uh, the process at a short course is, is definitely different. Um, it's such an opportunity for these athletes to show some versatility. Like you said, Basil, like you would not have probably gotten an opportunity to swim a long course relay. Um, and there are maybe people on this team that are in that situation as well, that have the opportunity to, to show some, to show a skill that maybe we don't see at the long course level. Um, and you know, our goals for the relays are always the same. It's, we want to advance out of prelims and then we want to put together a relay that has a shot to win. Um, and with a smaller team, there's going to be some people that are going to come home pretty tired. <laughs> They're going to swim a lot yeah. on these, uh, on these relays. Um, especially with, you know, it's, there's a whole bunch of short relays, you know, four by fifties that aren't normally there mixed relays. It's, um, it's a, but some of those events are fun. Just let it rip. Um, so I think like coach Salo alluded to, I think, you know, if you asked everybody in a bubble, you showed them a schedule. It's like, oh, would you want to be on this relay? The answer might be, eh. But then you get there. It's you've got the opportunity to be on a finals relay for the U.S. I think everybody will want that opportunity. Um, oh yeah, so fired up for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what was that like for you getting that shot when you wouldn't normally have a, a relay opportunity? Like, how did that feel? Well, now that I know no one was selected for a relay, I was kind of just like, oh, she's open. She doesn't have an event tonight. We'll throw her in. No, it was honestly awesome. And I remember I swam the 400 IM five minutes before that relay. Like I did not even warm down and they anchored me. And I remember going up against Katinka Hosu um, and like an incredible, I, I forget the other swimmer, but probably Mireya Belmonte Garcia, like people that I race often in the 4am, but they are way better at freestyle than I am. Um, and we held off fourth, but, but even just being able to like walk out on that relay, I was with youngsters like Katie Draybot, Kathleen Baker, um, and Melanie Margallis. And it's, it was just, you know, an opportunity that I had once and was so grateful for it. And yeah, I was fired up. I was very tired after, but just to have that experience to say that I was on a team USA relay, whether it be short course worlds or long course, it didn't matter to me. I was just, you know, excited to walk out with three other people. Yeah. And I feel like everybody else would feel the same. So you're spot on. Yeah. Barbini. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to pivot away from short course worlds a little bit. Um, so I, I hope you uh, are aware both of you that November is thank you coach month. So we've got a couple questions coach about uh, just sort of your career in coaching and, uh, and how it sort of impacted you. So, um, first, can, I, can you talk about other coaches that have impacted your career, like coaches that you have thanked along the way and that have been impactful for you? Um, well, interestingly, I, 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 I've been a head coach most of my career. So I was a head coach at uh, when I started my career at 19, I was a head coach. Um, uh, but certainly my two go-to coaches are, are John Urbanchek, who I swam for. 
Um, and he became my uh, volunteer assistant at uh, USC at one point in time. And, and it was, it was, it was probably more, I brought him on board more to uh, give his wife Mel a break from him. Um, but he's just a great guy to work with and, and, uh, and having swum for him. And, and we, people always think of John and I as, as, as an interesting uh, couple, if you will, um, because we don't necessarily see swimming philosophy similarly. Um, but he's a great friend. And I always, always tease him. He was so successful and everybody loved John because he had an accent. And I <laughs> contemplated developing an accent because that seems to work. Keep it moving. Um, <laughs> Dave, you'll get your accent soon. Uh, I keep working on it. but um, And then uh, and then Peter Dalen, I was assistant to Peter Dalen. And, and uh, Peter and I, again, we, we didn't share the same swimming uh, training philosophies by any stretch of imagination. But I was there as his assistant coach at UFC uh, while I was working on my PhD. And, and But he always treated me, as John has always treated me, they, they treated me like equals. These are legendary coaches. You, Matt's introduction called me legendary. I was like, I'm not sure I'm legendary, but I appreciate that that thought. These guys were legendary. We used to call John and and, and Peter and George Haynes and, and those coaches. We used to call those the generals, and we were the we were the privates. And we we couldn't wait to get up to the to the edge of the deck. We're giving kids splits because we kind of we 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 believe those guys deserved that spot in the front of the deck, and we were way behind the deck. Um, but to be thought of in that, 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 that example would be, it was just, again, it's very flattering, but, uh, but John and, and Peter were the two coaches that uh, I, I kind of worked under, worked with. Um, and, and then I've got, you know, great friends in Terry McKeever, who's a longtime friend of mine. and just uh, worked with her as assistant coaches at USC together and extremely proud of her, her career and what she's accomplished. And I know sometimes it's very, very difficult for her, but she just trooped it on. And, and a great example, not just for women coaches, but for men coaches also, is that she's just such a great coach. Um, I was fortunate to give kind of Dave Dirt his start in, in coaching, and uh, he was one of my assistants in the club level. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for a lot of these coaches, a lot of the young coaches coming up. Uh, just, and they're, they're just, I just respect them. Um, and, um, but, uh, probably Peter and John were the two that had the most influence. I, I, and as you know, I, I went out and, and recruited Elizabeth when she was considering colleges and, uh, got out to your way with your club team. And, and I always loved going on club trips to just watch coaches coach. Uh, I spent less time watching the athletes train that I was recruiting, uh, and really like to watch coaches coach. It wasn't always the head coach, it was the age group coaches and see how they they react with their athletes. Uh, I went out one time to go watch uh, Eddie Reese coach. And um, and it was kind of a tapered coach, coaching day, but it wasn't a big deal. But I wanted to watch how Eddie interacted with his athletes to help me be better. Um, so that's my short answer, long ways. <laughs> Dave, I think, you know, I have so much respect for you because you were a pioneer. You know, you were coming up with kind of the USRPT before it had a name. And you're so intelligent and you're keyed into the mental aspect of an athlete as well as the physical aspect. Can you kind of talk about and touch on paving that road far before it was even kind of accepted in the swimming world? Like you were the one that kind of brought it to the surface and you weren't afraid 
to have opposing opinions on things like that. And I, I just think that's amazing because that's hard to do sometimes. And can you kind of talk about how you got there and the education that came with that and, you know, kind of how you've really paved the way for a lot of coaches now? Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I, you look at most coaches and, and, and I was, when I started coaching, I was a product, product of what I experienced. And that's most coaches coach by the experience they had as an athlete. Um, and that's how I started my career when I was coaching Downey Dolphins back when I was 19, 20. And um, as I, I was pursuing my academic interest in, in exercise physiology and exercise science, I had professors, a couple of professors that really kind of challenged the, the traditional mindset of training. Uh, one of those people was Joseph Mastropalo at Long Beach State. And, he, and the experience I had uh, studying under Joseph Mastropalo was instrumental in me changing my whole ideas about uh, training. And, and that was when I was working on my bachelor's and my master's degree. And then when I was working on my PhD, I had a, a very supportive a professor by the name of Casey Donovan, who really kind of kind of encouraged me to continue to explore the, the idea about peak performance through physiology and understanding. Um, and so it was real. I came by my philosophy through academics than I did versus my, my background as, as an athlete. I was a very mediocre junior national level swimmer, um, trained very traditionally. Uh, I tell kids about how I, when I was a teenager, we were doing things like 175s on a minute. Back then, that was really hard back in the 70s. Dave, that's still would, hard. That's still hard. Yeah, that's definitely still hard. <laughs> so we would do sets like that. And, and I wasn't smart enough then to go, why are we doing this? But in the back of my head, I, I think I was, I was that kind of that athlete going, but I swim the 100 breaststroke. I swim the 200 breaststroke, 200 IM. Why, why 175? Um, so I was curious, but not smart enough to kind of question that. So it's really through academics that I really changed my, my sense of, of how we can drive for peak performance. And, and I'll tell you, when I was working with Peter Dayland uh, as an assistant, um, I had started writing for Swimming World Magazine, talking about these ideas about training. Um, he came to me one day in the office and he, he was so respectful. He said, Dave, you're really, you're bright, you're intelligent. I think you should be a, a college professor. Um, but I think you're, you're creeping out onto a very, very thin limb that you might fall off because nobody will take you seriously because your philosophies. And, uh, and that's, and he, did, he did, left it at that. I wasn't, you know, he wanted me on his staff and I wanted to be there. And I, I, I was thought, I was appreciative of his, his thinking about me and my, 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 my career as a coach or professor, whatever it would become. Um, but he just wanted to let me know that you know, nobody believes you. So it, it took time for me to uh, get in a position where I could coach athletes and try what I, what I, what I do now and what I've been doing for most of my first five years, I was very traditional. The last 35 years I became very non-traditional based on theory and uh, theory proved out pretty well. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it worked <laughs> out pretty well for you. Yes, it's not bad. <laughs> but it's so, like to that point, Coach Salo, like for me being like a 400 IM or kind of distance oriented swimmer, I was kind of stuck and getting in my own way as well as an athlete where I felt like when I got to the end of the season, if I hadn't grinded out, eight to nine K practices every single day, sometimes doubles, I wasn't going to be a successful athlete. I would be good, but not great. And 
now kind of having the perspective of stepping out of the sport and, you know, just working out day to day. And, you know, for me swimming, I, I swim a long open water swim this summer, almost 11 miles. I was training just a couple of times a day. And I was like, I could have been doing this the whole time, you know? So it's, you're just far be like far ahead of everybody else. And I think that's just, it's admirable. Like you said, you know, nobody believed you at first, nobody bought into it, but you had the self-confidence to kind of follow that and look where it got you like a legendary coach. And, and that's, that's really cool. Well, one of the things that kind of spurred me further on in my career is I, 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 I tried the methodology for myself. And in fact, I trained for a, a marathon, running marathon, not a swimming marathon, and ran a marathon. And I was training uh, for about 11 weeks and about three or four times a week and just focusing on, on fast and race pace type training. I did nothing very long, more than, another, more than 45 minutes to an hour of training. Uh, my longest training was about a, a week before the marathon. Uh, and I, which I ran around a track for 10 miles because I felt so good. And I just kept running. Um, but I went three, three hours and 26 minutes for the first time ever marathon. Wow. And generally speaking, 326 is a pretty good marathon. And so that, that strengthened my resolve in terms of exploring race pace type training or sprint training for the performance. And that's where it went to. All right. Um, Dave, we're going to, transition to what will be in a recurring segment here it's called social kick which i had to fight for the name so we're going to stick with it now <laughs> it's a great name are, barbini i'm a, I, you, I agree he's it's a, it, it makes sense yes. uh, but we asked uh we asked fans on instagram and facebook if they had any questions for you and we have five um and these are going to uh, be somewhat rapid fire um so the first one is from mary kg who was a swimmer that inspired you and why? Oh, God. I, I, uh, I, mm. I've had so many swimmers in my life. And it, I think I've got to pinpoint my, my career advance, but it really came when I was coaching uh, Aaron Pearsall, Jason Lezak, um, Amanda Beard, and Michael Kavik. I had them all. I was so fortunate to coach them at Irvine Nova Aquatics when they were so young, they didn't know better that they just did what I told them to do. They didn't know, they didn't, they didn't know what they were doing was so, so, so radical. Uh, but those, those four at a time when I was really, really launching my career, kind of, kind of the four that really kind of, kind of spearheaded my, my performance drive, I think. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> Love that answer. Yeah. Um, all right. Second one, Noah M. Favorite part about being a coach. Oh God. It, well, influencing athletes performances I think is really important but but uh, just influencing the character development about out of athletes so I'll tell, tell you real quickly that I know this is supposed to be social so I'm talking a lot um, but um, I think that when you're younger as a coach you, you're, your sole focus is performance and as you get older you begin to really appreciate uh, the process a lot more and uh, performance will come if it will come, but uh, the, the process of coaches can learn to, to be, remain curious and appreciate process. Don't worry about performance so much. Uh, you'd be better served. Well, speaking of progress, this is, this is going to be a hard one. I'm just warning you before I read it. So from Savannah B, Kim H and Grace A, what is your favorite set and why? I'll give you my favorite. I saw this question. Oh, yeah. okay. 
But right. uh, my favorite set kind of came out of uh, of a need to. Um, well, I, when I was back when I was coaching Irvine Nova Clocks before the 2004 Olympic trials, I had about 25 athletes going to trials. And we were starting to what I call fine tune everybody else calls it tapering. And I needed a way to kind of keep them all on the same platform. So I had kids like Jason Lezak, who's a sprinter, Aaron Pearsall, who was anything in between, Haley uh, Pearsall, who was a really good miler. So I had this broad spectrum of athletes. And so I'm, I'm squirreling around trying, and I, would, I didn't have an assistant coach. And I would oftentimes have five different things going on. I'd just run around the group and just tell them what to do. But I wanted to kind of coordinate what they were doing. So I came up with what I call the XYZ set. And the XYZ set's real simple. It, you can vary it any way you want. I vary it constantly. So a simple XYZ is X is on a minute, Y is on 130, Z is on two minutes. And I would tell the kids, we're going to go six rounds of that. And I don't care how far you go. I don't care what equipment you use or what stroke you do. I just want each one to be full speed. And, uh, and, and so I would just, I would have them all on the same interval. And what Jason Lezak might do would be very, very different from what Haley Pearsall would do. And during the taper pay phase or fine tuning phase, what they would choose to do gave me information as a coach as to how they thought their training was going. So Jason might go 25, 25, 25. Aaron might go 50, 75, 100. And Haley might go 100, 125, 150. And so with that information, you can go, okay, Haley thinks she needs more. Jason thinks he needs less as usual. And, and Aaron thinks well, a lot spectrum of, of ranges. So that's my, that's my favorite go-to set. And then now as I've used it now more in season where we vary things. So I might say, you're going to go, we're going to go 50 plus an X and Y and, and 50 plus a Z and the 50s have to be active recovery. X and Y have to be full speed. They can't be the same distances. If you follow my, my I, I post up all my workouts on a whiteboard and uh, coach or people who read them are always uh, mesmerized by all the brackets I have because it looks like a mathematical equation uh, that keeps them, keeps them interested. So that's probably my go-to set. I can attest that following your, your Twitter feed, there's a lot of uh, brackets and, and sometimes abbreviations that even I don't understand. So. <laughs> okay, second to last one. Morgan, why? What tips do you have for not stressing before a big meet? Oh well, I think well, as most coaches, we 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 tell you it's just a freaking swim meet. We're not curing cancer, and I think everybody has to kind of keep that in mind. Is that this? It's just swimming. And Baisel, I don't not to offend Baisel any of any other international level athlete. I, I've often told some of my kids, like, look. You know, a ditch digger is more valuable than you, Jason. Is that? Or I would actually tell Please act like no, Dave. I would say, Jason, you're no better than a ditch digger. And actually, a ditch digger is better because they dig a ditch. It's just swimming. It's just swimming. Go out there. Every coach says, go out and have fun. And we really do mean it. It's just go out and have fun. This is such an awesome thing to be able to do. And and to stress over it and stress over result or performance is, is just, it's, it's, it does, it doesn't serve you any good. So do the best you can train. I, I want my athletes, even today, I want them to, 
link what they're doing in training to what their ultimate performance are so that it's okay. If you get this performance in a meet, it's reflective of what you've done in your work. I tell kids all the time. It's my, my latest thing to tell kids, be proud of the work you do. Don't see deep, don't seek pride from somebody else. Don't seek pride from your parents. Your parents have to be proud of you. Remember back when you were a toddler, they were so proud of you when you went potty. Okay. They have to do that. They're your parents. But don't seek pride from your coach or pride from your friends. Seek pride in yourself and, and everything else will take care of itself. And, and I, I think that's, that's kind of my message to kids now is be proud of your work. Be proud of everything that you do in swimming or academics. And if you do that, then you, you can't go wrong regardless of what the performance is. So that's. Such great perspective. I don't have short answers, by the way. No, that's great. That's such great perspective. I think that's really important, especially keeping performance in context and and the it's just swimming part. I I've said many times around our office, the next swimming emergency will be the first. Um, it's yeah. I, some of the you know COVID may have challenged that somewhat, but I, I still kind of think that that perspective that it's just swimming is really really important. Yeah. Okay, last question. This is from Paige M. Who is your favorite Tokyo Frogs King swimmer, and why is it Paige Madden? Paige Madden! It's Paige Madden! <laughs> it's Paige Madden! <laughs> we love us, Paige Madden. You had a punchline. Well, I'll tell you, Paige was awesome. Paige, was, Paige came in. She wasn't in, in great shape, but she was very uh, um, comfortable with how we were doing things. We were training other way I would train. Frog Kings did things different than everybody else. We trained Coley. Stickles, Kathy Wickstrand, and myself train them the way I want to train my athletes. And we just told them it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Uh, but let's do this together and, and be fine. So Paige didn't come in great shape. Uh, she got better along the way. She, she never questioned anything that we were doing. And she was really into the, tr- the, the, the uh, strategy. And she would, we would have these conversations about strategy, about how we would do this and how we would do that. And it made it a lot more fun. I think she had a great fun uh, time getting involved with the whole strategy and the jackpotting. And she knew things I didn't know. It was, <laughs> it was fun to have an athlete that well um, versed on how ISL runs because it's sometimes a very confusing uh, event. So Paige Mad is my, my favorite frog king. <laughs> That's the right answer. She's my favorite too, I guess. She was awesome. Yeah. I mean, she's the only one that's true. She's the only one that submitted a question to the pod. So she's my favorite Tokyo. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, She's climbed the ladder. A loyal kick set podcast fan. That's right. She better listen now. Well, she's going to be a great, she's going to be a great leader on the world championship team because she's had great experience at Virginia and, and on the uh, uh, international swimming league. So I I look forward to her being on that team. Yeah, us too. Coach Thaler, thank you so much for being here. Looking forward to seeing you in Abu Dhabi and working together with that awesome crew and uh, good luck for the next couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll see you across the pond pretty soon. Thanks a lot. You guys, you guys take care. Enjoy working with you. Thanks again. Of course. Okay. Uh, so as we talked about on the, uh, throughout this pod, uh, we have a very busy December coming up here at USA swimming. So uh, make sure to uh, follow along on the website. Uh, first up is the U S opening Greensboro from December 1st to 4th. Um, and that'll be followed immediately by golden goggles on December 7th, um, for information on how to watch both of those events on TV or online, um, or in the case of the U S open to buy tickets, uh, head over to usaswimming.org events, and you'll be able to find all your info there. 
Um, then later in the month, we of course have uh, the meet we've been discussing, Short Course Worlds in Abu Dhabi from December 15th to the 21st. Um, USSwimming.org will have tons of coverage of that competition, including a very exciting open water component um, that will take place on the front end of the meet um, and we'll, where we'll have eight additional American athletes competing. Uh, Basil, it's been a pleasure. We got through the first one. Barbini, unscathed. unscathed. And I'm most excited to now watch world championships to see what you and coach Salo do with these relays. That's now right. that I know the inside scoop, I cannot wait to see how this all shakes up. Since he logged off, I'm going to just make sure that everybody knows it's all on him. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, Remember well, of the, that thing we told you before? No, yeah, it's yeah. not true, actually. Not true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, make sure you rate and review um, wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe. Um, we'll be back next month. Faisal, have a great Thanksgiving, and I will see you in Miami for Golden Goggles. I will see you there, Barbini. Until next time, my friend. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Kick Set with USA Swimming. Check out www.usaswimming.org slash kickset for more episodes and add Kick Set to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes.